At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. All righty, folks, welcome into another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here, as always, live out of the Windy City on this Thursday afternoon is when I'm recording this. And I was going to say it's a, you know, beautiful Thursday afternoon. But for me personally, I can't say that is the case. I hope your Thursday is going a little bit better than mine. And obviously, if you're listening to this, chances are you live in the vicinity of the Chicagoland area. So you know that it's about single digits right now. So walking the dog outside isn't fun for one. Uh, two, trying to enjoy a nice bagel this morning. Trying to cut it open. End up cutting my finger open. So here we are, finger wrapped up, playing hurt, not injured, trying to muster through it. No, I'm just playing. But it's it's been quite the Thursday. And to topple on to that, we hear the news of Lonzo Ball having the slight tear in his meniscus. So we'll talk all things Bulls. We'll recap the victory and a much-needed one at that from last night. We'll also talk about the Bears once again. Some more news coming out in their search for GM slash head coach. Our thoughts on that, pondering some more questions overall about the organization and which direction they may be taking their course of action. And then in the second part of this episode, we got to preview the divisional round games, right? We haven't talked about that yet, and I think it's about time. If you haven't been tuning into Rush Hour, which is my other show on VEASAN, you can catch it Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Advise you to do so because not only am I been giving you those plays throughout the week, but we have expert guests who are doing it on a nightly basis. So check it out on the Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, iHeartRadio, and of course, VSIN.com or the VEASAN app. So let's begin with that news about Lonzo Ball, right? I mean, so he's been diagnosed with a small meniscus tear in his left knee. He's evaluating the treatment options right now. So I guess, if I'm not mistaken, the way that he could approach this is he could kind of play a little bit hurt on it, right? But at this point in the season, I don't think that's going to end up being the case. The, the assumption, I'm sure, is that he's going to get the surgery, which would sideline him about four to six weeks. So best case scenario, right? What are we toward the end of January? You know, maybe you get him back a little bit into March, which is fine. It's okay. You'll have him back for postseason. It's just a bummer. We were talking about yesterday on the show of how I think this Bulls team, for whatever reason, is just, I don't want, they're not actually cursed. It's just like a stream of bad luck with these injuries, man. I mean, anytime us Bulls fans 
sorry, it's not like I said fan, us Bulls fans, uh, uh, get into a positive mindset with this Bulls team and injury occurs ever since post-Jordan. You think about, I mean, the one series where, first of all, I think is the best playoff series I've ever seen in my life when it was, what, 09, 08, 09, when it was the Bulls and Celtics first round seven game series, literally the greatest playoff series in probably any sport I've ever witnessed. And besides that, the Bulls were just, you know, rookie Derrick Rose, a team that didn't deserve to hang or wasn't supposed to or expected to hang with the Celtics, but they made a hell of an effort, lost in game seven. Okay, not bad luck. Great effort. You got the future in front of you. Now we talked about the Derrick Rose nonsense, getting injured, repercussions from years on, still now repercussions from it in terms of not having the championship that they should have won. And then even with uh, Hoiberg as your coach, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, Rajon Rondo, I, I feel like 20 years from now, if you look back, you're like, did that team really happen? Yeah, it did. And they were actually looking pretty good against the Celtics. Rajon Rondo got injured. They lose the series. Rajon Rondo was a big piece of their success. As funny as it may seem to say, that was the case. And no, they weren't going to win the championship that year, but you get my point. And that's the thing this year. The Bulls, sure, they could win the championship. Again, they're still a big piece away, but we're just seeing these injuries from them left and right. I mean, Lonzo Ball, um, Zach Levine, Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green, Alex Caruso finally came back, had a great game. We'll get into that in a second. It's just, and Patrick Williams. It's just hurting left and right. But with the subtraction, you do get some additions. And those additions have been Ayo DeSumo, one of the top rookies without a doubt in the NBA. And he went off last night. Kobe White producing valuable minutes. And then you just need Vooch really to step up on a consistent basis. And if you can get that, you can compete with Vooch, with DeRozan, with Caruso. And then when Levine comes back, anybody in the league really during the course of a regular season. So again, uh, the news stinks about Lonzo Ball. Look, you know, knock on wood in terms of our season win total ticket. I'm thinking we'll still be okay, hopefully. Uh, we just went through the tough stretch of the schedule. I'm thinking the Bulls could get on a nice little bounce back. I mean, they still got the Bucks on Friday, so don't get me wrong. It's a tough stretch. But the positive news, aside from the game last night, and again, we'll recap, we, we will recap that. Jeez, I can't even speak today. We will recap that momentarily. But I wanted to say the good news is Zach Levine could return as early as Wednesday. So that is huge news for the Bulls, which what could have been a terrible injury that could have impacted the whole season. It was such a weird injury to begin with. I mean, seemingly like he came down on a normal rebound and then, you know, hurt his knee, I guess. So here's the thing. Lonzo Ball being out is big. Don't get me wrong, and everybody can agree on that. He is a big, keys to this, uh, big piece to this starting lineup. And to just his team overall, he adds value defensively. He adds value in terms of facilitating the ball. And he can hit a clutch shot every now and then considering he has fixed his jump shot. So yes, that is going to hurt. But I think with Lonzo Ball gone, at least now you still get Caruso back. Who's almost like Lonzo Ball in the sense that if he can kind of move over to his position as playing guard, facilitate well enough, and we know how good he is defensively, bringing that energy and spark, he should be able to fill the void in the meantime, right? In the playoffs, you're going to desperately need Lonzo Ball, that's for sure. But Caruso can suffice for the time being, in my opinion, especially if you got Io playing valuable minutes, especially if you got Kobe White 
bringing production offensively. So the guys are stepping up. This team has dealt with adversity, and they're still at the top of the Eastern Conference. So the good news is Levine could return as early as next Wednesday. Lonzo Ball being hurt, that's a bummer. That absolutely stinks. Hopefully they can overcome it and still maintain a top seed in the Eastern Conference. But looking back at last night's game, isn't it kind of funny to say like that was probably the biggest win this season for the Bulls and it came in a home game against the Cleveland Cavaliers? It's funny to say that because the Cavs have absolutely stunk these past few seasons ever since LeBron left, but they're actually a really solid team right now. They're a good young team gunning for a top spot and they'll probably get one of the top seeds being, you know, maybe top six and stay out of the playing games. But the Bulls had a big disadvantage, three and a half point dogs. The steam was going to Cleveland. I didn't bet the spread. I, I probably, I definitely lean more toward Cleveland getting the job done. But look, the Bulls showed out in a game that was honestly a must win for this whole team, for the city, for the fan base, for everybody. And Alex Caruso played a big part in that. Ayudasumo played a big part in that. DeRozan did his thing, and so did Vucevic. So, DeRozan, 30 points. His points prop is at 26 and a half. How about that buzzer beater shot? I mean, the dude's absolutely getting bodied. Fantastic defense by the Cavaliers player, and he just knocks it down. The dude, like Stacey King says on the broadcast, is a professional bucket getter. He's an absolute dog. Vooch, we talked about his points prop. What was it? 17 and a half over minus 125. We said play over. He got 24 points. 11 to 21 from the floor. Two of six beyond the arc. 12 rebounds. Gets another double-double. Vooch has to put up those numbers consistently, even if they're fully healthy. Well, if they're fully healthy, imagine he's probably not getting that many shares with Levine and Lonzo Ball back in the mix. My point being, if Vooch has to be the number two guy to DeRozan right now, or, you know, switching off with DeRozan Levine, you get my point what I'm saying, he's got to average 18 plus. Or if it's a situation with no Levine, he's got to average 20 plus. If it's just him and DeRozan or him and Levine, respectively, he's got to get 20 plus points. That's how the Bulls can have success. Vooch isn't built to be a number one guy. Okay. But if he gets those open opportunities after a driving kick, after a pick and roll in the post, whatever it may be, that's where he can thrive. You don't want to put the pressure on Vooch. He's going to knock down 9 out of 10 shots if he gets a respectable open look, but you can't really force him to be a scorer. It's got to come to him. The game has got to come to him. And when the Bulls are facilitating the ball and everything's flowing so seamlessly offensively, that's when a guy like Vooch can really make his mark, and that's what you saw last night against Cleveland. Will that be the same story against Milwaukee? Well, probably not. Not with Giannis, if I'm going to be honest. But that is going to be a matchup if you need to get to the need. If you want to get to the championship, which of course they do and they need to, you got to be able to overcome that. So that's the barrier the Bulls face, not only in their next opponent, Milwaukee, but naturally throughout the course of the postseason, which is why you need that added piece, which we'll see what AK and company does. But big game out of Vooch. Kobe White did his thing. 16 points, 5 of 11 from the floor, 1 of 2 from 3, 5 of 5 from the charity stripe. Bull, you know what scares me a little bit about this Bulls team? Their free throw shooting. DeRozan's not the strongest free throw shooter. That's what scares me a little bit. I, I, my biggest pet peeve in basketball, I have a couple of them, sure. But from a team I'm betting on, rooting for, whatever it may be, just standpoint is missing your free throws. They are free. They are a given bucket. As a professional, you should be able to knock those down. And especially in late games, in important games, they are so, so key to being the victorious team, okay? 
You may not think it in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter. But trust me, it adds up. That's a little bit concerning to me. DeRozan went 2 of, two of 5 last night from the stripe. Whatever. We'll move on. We'll take the victory. Ayo Desumu, the kid, is a stud. 18 points in the starting lineup. He went 3 of 4 from beyond the arc, 7 of 8 from the floor. Racked up 8 assists, 3 rebounds, and 2 steals. Guys, this kid is legit. I mean, like they say on the broadcast, he's playing like a veteran. He's holding players back. He's in the right spot at the right time. He is playing lockdown defense, and he is making the necessary moves. He can't miss when he's in the corner getting the open three. It's like uncanny. Every time it's late in the game, someone's driving. He's open in the corner, and he always knocks those down. Don't give him a three-point shot from the top of the key or the wing, but from the baseline corner, he's going to knock that down nine times out of ten. Desumo is an absolute stud. Uh, Caruso, nine points off the bench, four four free throws, two of eight from the floor. Not the best performance in that regard, but look, he had three rebounds, two assists, and he had a nice block. And even if it's not looking like he's padding up the stats, his plus minus was plus 18, by the way. He's just adding a different presence, a different energy to the floor. And it's his first game back, so take it a little bit easy. He still had a really good game, but I'm saying if you're actually looking at these stats and going two of eight, what the hell? Relax. He's going to be fine. Let him get under his legs a little bit. Matt Thomas has been decent, by the way. How about it? He's kind of like uh, Matt Bonner with with um, the Spurs back. He just go out there, knock down some threes, get the job done, and that he did. Two or two beyond the arc. Three or four from the floor, eight points. Brown Jr. got six points. Bradley, eh, you know how I feel about Bradley. Four points. Doesn't do squat. Um, six rebounds. You know, McKinney in the starting lineup didn't do much. Only played the five minutes. So, look. Hell of a win by this Bulls team. Needed it, wanted it, got it. Awesome. On to Milwaukee. What can you do against the Bucks? Expectations probably ain't going to be too high, but let's see that competitive spirit back in the mix. Also, uh, a couple other things. Laurie Markin in revenge game. Came to fruition, folks. You know what? We'll let Laurie have that revenge game. We will take the Bulls dub. And that's what Jordan Sherwood, uh, fellow Chicago fan here and works for the ESPN 1000 station and friend of VEASAN too. I've got him on rush hour plenty of times. And look, I know he's a dire Bulls fan. That's what he said because I tweet about it. He's like, we'll let Markin have his game. We want the Bulls dub. And he's absolutely right. But usually when that happens, it goes hand in hand with the Cavs getting a victory and the Markin in revenge game. But look, Laurie, 9 of 14 from the floor. 5-9 and nine from beyond the arc, 7 rebounds, and 28 freaking points. Season high, of course. Talked about him over 13.5 points with his prop. The dude had like 23 in the third quarter. 3-point field goal attempts made. We talked about over 1.5, had 4 in the third quarter. My goodness. Garland went over his prop barely, but he got over it. Over 19.5, ended up with 20. We talked about Vooch over his. He got 24, so we nailed our prop picks. But the team total with the Cavs fell through, and I was irate about that. 108.5 was the number, right? The team had a terrible second quarter, otherwise they were on pace. Fourth quarter needed a big effort, and they were getting it. They had 102 points with about four minutes to go, and they scored two more points the rest of the game. Turnover, turnover, missed layup, turnover, turnover. Ay, ay, Sometimes betting the NBA just uh, makes me want to you know, cut another bagel and cut another finger open. My goodness, that was pathetic. But it is what it is. Bulls get the job done. That's what's important last night. It's also important to make some money. That's why we're here. But at least we did well with our player props. 
All right, moving on to the Bears. I want to talk a little bit of Bears now. So there's always at least one story that's seemingly coming out day after day about the Bears' either GM search or head coaching search. Ian Rappaport tweeted out earlier today, the Bears' GM interviews will stretch into next week, as we pretty much know, with Colts College Scouting Director Morocco Brown expected to interview with the team's brass on Monday, source said. His work in indie scouting college players alongside GM Chris Ballard is well documented. That's what Ian Rappaport tweeted. So we know that Dodds is out. Assistant GM Morocco is the next guy in the Colts uh, lineage there that we kind of figured would get a good shot and probably a really solid look. So do you want Morocco Brown? I don't think he would be bad at all. We talked about this yesterday. I still think there's some really good options. Omar Khan, another one who I think they're still, like we said, waiting to interview. I, I don't know what the schedule on that is per se. But what is a little bit concerning about this too? Because there should be some concern. And the concern should be that they haven't, or you slash me, we have not really heard anything solidified or just rumor-wise about which GM candidate the Bears are really honed in on. In an ideal world, the Bears get their GM situation locked up before the head coach, correct? I think that would pretty much be a majority agreement in that sentiment. The thing that scares me here in the Dodd situation maybe can reflect that, maybe not. But are you scared a little bit that the Bears search team has their head coach already wrapped up in their mind? They have a guy locked down who they want, and now they're just waiting to get the GM that will gladly and willingly hop on board and say, okay, I could work th with this guy. That's my fear with the Bears. And that's going to be a mistake that this organization might make. Even after everything that has gone wrong, that could be a mistake they make. You know it is. We all know it is. They're prone to mistakes. They're the Chicago Bears, okay? And that doesn't mean that Whichever way it ends up, if that's the case, is going to be poor. I just don't think it's sustainable for long-term success. Inevitably, there's going to be disagreement if there's not the original agreement throughout the GM and the head coach, okay? I could kind of see this being the case where, hey, maybe the Bears really like Dable. I know they didn't ask him for the second interview yet. I'm sure they will. And I don't know why. I mean... Because they're bringing back Eberflus, I don't think it would happen. But if the Bills lost, could you see them just bringing on Dable, trying to get him as soon as possible because they love him and they want him before another team? Or maybe they've narrowed it down to Eberflus because he is the guy who's getting that second look. So now they're going, all right, which GM is going to be okay with candidate X or candidate Y? Or maybe it's just one of them. That could absolutely be the case, folks. You can't rule that out whatsoever. But again, in an ideal world the Bears would have had or should have a couple of GMs narrowed down now. They should be bringing back a GM or two for a second interview, you would hope. And you would hope that they would be on the track to doing or the track to doing that sooner rather than later as opposed to the head coach. Now, selfishly, look, if they got a head coach that us Bears fans would like, I think we could put it aside and be like, you know what? All right, who cares? Head coach is going to probably have the more immediate impact. I mean, he is, right? But again, what you're looking for is that long-term sustaining success. And it's kind of a recipe for disaster if you get the head coach before the GM. It doesn't mean it's impossible to work. It doesn't mean it's not going to. It just means probably 
more often than not, the relationship is not going to end well. Okay. So that's what's a little bit concerning. Now, this is all speculation, of course. And the Dodds news, does that make you think that? Maybe a little bit. But Dodds is kind of an, a unique character himself where he, he clearly wants the perfect opportunity. And with the Bears, you know, maybe that's not it because you don't have the draft stock. You don't have the commodity you need and or want. And that's okay. You don't want to force it. Nothing really has changed too much in terms of the noise for the Bears head coaching search, though. And the more I think about it, you know, and I'm listening to other people about this, and because, you know, when I narrow down this head coaching search, I'm saying, all right, it's got to be an offensive guy, got to be this, got to be that. If it's a defensive guy, Eberflus would probably be the top choice. Then Brian Flores comes about, and I'm going, okay, Flores and Eberflus. Leslie Frazier is getting a lot of steam lately, it seems. Now, naturally, there's the history with Frazier and the Bears, and he's doing great with Buffalo, number one defense. But I really don't think that's the right move. I think you got to take this Bills defense into context. And they are a great defense, arguably the best. I think a lot of it has benefited from a pretty decent schedule. And honestly, even in that playoff game against the Patriots, look, yeah, the Patriots had their moments. I'm going to be honest. I was never that high on New England. Mac Jones, on the road, rookie quarterback, cold game. I was not expecting really anything out of New England. I mean, probably more than what occurred. But my point is, Buffalo's been ready for that game. Mac Jones, that offense, not necessarily. The Bears have to go offensive. And I know there's people out there that are going, well, here's the thing. They went offensive with Matt Nagy. Look how that worked out. They're going to go back to the roots and go defensive. When is going back to the roots helped? The roots is the championship in 1985. Oh, wait, how many times has that consistently repeated? 2006, you made it to the Super Bowl. Guess what? Your defense couldn't stop Peyton Manning. Guess what? You had no offense that could contribute to keeping up with Peyton Manning. Your special teams was the main reason of your success because of one Devin freaking Hester. Okay. The day and age in this NFL is offense. Yes, you can have teams with success with great defenses. But at the end of the day, the teams that have success have great quarterbacks. Quarterbacks who have been developed by strong coaches. Look at the coaches and the teams that are in the postseason right now. Zach Taylor's kind of, you know, the jury's still out on Taylor, but you got a good quarterback in Joe Burrow. Titans, I don't think are going to go far because they're focused on that ground game. And Derrick Henry's the main piece. And look, Tannehill's a sufficient quarterback, but he's not a top quarterback. That's why the Titans ain't winning the Super Bowl. 49ers, they didn't win the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Great coach in Shanahan, but not an excellent quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. Everything else is amazing, but they're slacking a little bit with that quarterback development. He can do well enough if the team around him is playing excellent. Packers, LaFleur, solid coach. Rodgers, amazing quarterback. Rams, Sean McVay, awesome coach. Stafford, when he is, he can be an awesome quarterback. Buccaneers, Tom Brady, Bruce Arian, solid coach. Great offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich. Bills, McDermott, awesome. Dable, awesome. Josh Allen, awesome. Patrick Mahomes, awesome. Biennemi, really solid. Andy Reid, really solid. I mean, they're awesome. You could call them that, but I... Look, Patrick Mahomes is just amazing. So uh, my point is, where besides Todd Bowles, I guess you could say, and Leslie Frazier, is there, you know, a, 
defensive coordinator that you would want out of that group. And like, is that the person you want running that like the Buccaneers aren't going to win this Super Bowl if they do because of their defense? Is that going to be a, mar a major part? Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. But they don't even get to that position. They don't even win the Super Bowl if you don't have a great offense and Tom Brady and great play calling from Byron Leftwich is my point. Quarterback's the most important position on your football team, and the Bears have neglected that for the history of their whole damn franchise, folks. Buffalo Bills, fantastic defense. You know what? What did that offense do? What was it? They didn't punt one time against the Patriots? That's unheard of. That's complete and utter dominance. Offense, Josh Allen. Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, you benefit from playing Big Ben. Guess what? Big Ben's not a good quarterback. Steelers don't have good offense. That's why they couldn't win. And Patrick Mahomes and company have a fantastic offense. Chiefs has got, have gotten by with success from having a mediocre defense since Mahomes has been there. Their defense is good enough. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you abandon the defense and just completely throw it to the side. Your main focus has to be offense while you can still stress the importance of defense because at the end of the day, your quarterback can get you there, but when you're winning the thing, it's going to come down to what your defense can or cannot do. That is 100% true. But consistently and in shootout games against the other quarterbacks in this era of the NFL and other offenses, you need the strong suit of your team to be on the offensive side, folks. So the Bears, unless it's Brian Flores, unless probably I would still give the pass to Matt Eberflus, it's got to be offensive. It's got to be. And I'm hoping it's Dable. I'm hoping it's Leftwich. Those would be my top two guys. So really, if it's not clear now, what I've really narrowed it down to, I mean, and it pretty much was that before, you know, it's Flores, it's Leftwich, or probably 1A, 1B, and then 2A, 2B, you got Dable and you got Eberflus. I'd want Dable over Eberflus, though, unless you get an amazing offensive coordinator, which all the amazing offensive coordinators are going to be head coaches, we would assume. We'll see. But I'm a little bit scared. What I mean, we were scared even before the search began because of the press conference with McCaskey. What's going on with this GM search? And I get that you got to have patience. But again, in an ideal world, you want that GM to be the first guy to come. And then you want to bring on the head coach. Start this relationship off right. Cool, we may make the playoffs and win a playoff game. We might even do that. And it might just only happen for one year. And then we're going to be going through the same cycle if you can't get a consistent, viable relationship with your GM and with your head coach and your development of player personnel. Start it off right. Do its due diligence in this process. And please act accordingly. And I already know the answer to my question, but I'm going to say, is that asking too much? The choir preaches back, yes, because it is the Chicago Bears. Hopefully things change. Who do you want to see get a call back for a second interview? Who do you want to see the Bears have as their general manager? Tweet at me, at DannyBurke5. Let me know. What route do you think the Bears will take? What route do you think they should take? We're going to get new news every single day, it seems, at least throughout the course of the week. And it'll be even more interesting next week, depending on which teams may or may not win or lose, right? Because then a guy like Dable, a guy like Frazier, a guy like Leftwich, a guy like Bowles could be available. Nathaniel Hackett, I'm not saying they're going to lose, but if they do, those are the coaching names available, right?
So we'll see. Next week, I feel like we're finally going to get some fireworks. Maybe not officially, but a lot more in the rumor mill. So hold on, folks. Going to get a lot more exciting. All right. Let's talk more NFL next segment. Let's preview the NFL divisional round. Go over these games and a play that I have made for one of those matchups and, you know, some that I'll probably end up making, just waiting on some of the best numbers. So stick around. It is the Chicago City Cats presented by Bet Rivers NFL Playoff Picks coming up next. Place your legal sports bets at BetRivers.com. Your new home for sports betting. Millions of betting options a year on the sports you love. We offer live in-game betting on major sporting events worldwide. Tons of bets available during games from money lines, prop bets, and many more. Sign up now and we'll match your first deposit up to $250. More bets, better odds, more action. Place your sports bets at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or somebody who has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral service can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Okay, back at it for the second part of this Thursday edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. We started off talking about the Bulls, bad news with Lonzo Ball. Uh, just looking at my phone now because if I'm recording or when I'm recording this Thursday afternoon, by the time I was doing it, didn't come about officially, but the Chicago Bulls Twitter account tweeted injury update Lonzo Ball will undergo arthroscopic surgery on his left knee and is expected to return. In six to eight weeks. Uh, look, I thought it was four to six weeks from the first report I saw. So maybe a little bit later return than expected. But yes, getting the surgery was inevitable. You needed to do it. It's the right thing to do. It's going to stink. It does stink. That's bulls. Hopefully they could still pull together. Levine coming back soon, baby. That's what we're holding on to. All right, let's talk some NFL divisional round picks now, folks. These odds, courtesy, as you know, of Bet Rivers. Let's start with the first game, Saturday, 3.30, Tennessee and Cincinnati. This thing opened up about three. You've seen it go up to three and a half, and look, it stayed at three and a half. Money line currently minus the buck 80 in favor of Tennessee. Cincinnati plus 158, and this total at 47, slightly shaded to the over minus 112. Under is minus 109. I think this total is incredibly tricky. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an incredibly low-scoring game. But also, if it was like 30-27, to 27, I would not really be too shocked either. I've pretty much been consistent with my standpoint of wanting to back Cincinnati. We did a playoff pool, a bracket, with some of my buddies. And I picked Cincinnati to beat the Raiders. And I picked them outright to beat the Titans. So now you're giving me three and a half in this game. And look, this thing may even get up to four. Because when you're laying the three and a half, the odds at Bet Rivers is minus 113. The juice for the Bengals to catch three and a half is only minus 108. I kind of get it. Like Cincinnati's the hot team as of late. They're going to probably be the public dog. Nobody's fully sure and or sold on this Tennessee team. And you think, well... Young quarterback Joe Burrow, lack of experience, happy to be here. The road ends here. They've hit their ceiling. I just don't think it has. There's been so many times this season where I thought the Cincinnati Bengals have hit their ceiling. And they've just proven me wrong and wrong again. And now I'm finally kind of jumping on the bandwagon. And that will inevitably be the loss they, that occurs for them. But truthfully... The thing about Tennessee is their offense is not that dominant, guys. And they really only feasted against the lower-tier teams. 
Cincinnati's offensive line, not the best, but you know what? They do well enough. Joe Mixon, beast. T. Higgins, solid. Tyler Boyd, solid. Jamar Chase, fan-freaking-tastic. Joe Burrow, great quarterback. Defense, your secondary is an issue, but your run defense ain't too bad. If you're having an issue against the Titans defensively, rather it be against the pass. Yeah, you got to go against the threats of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Tannehill's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. He's not a quarterback that is the reason you win a Super Bowl. He's a quarterback that is the reason you make it to the playoffs and yeah, probably win a playoff game, maybe even two. But you're not overcoming Patrick Mahomes. You're not overcoming Josh Allen. You may not overcome Joe Burrow, who is a better quarterback than you. Joe Mixon, not better than Derrick Henry, but is he better than Derrick Henry or can he be more impactful than Derrick Henry after Derrick Henry's been out for a significant portion of this season? Perhaps. Tennessee's defense, you know, they fixed some holes from last season, but they still have some gaps. You give the edge probably to Tennessee defensively. And look, Tennessee, of course, can still win this game. But if you're giving me over the key number three with the Cincinnati team that can just kill you downfield with any given play, I think I'm going to have to take that. Now, I haven't played it officially. I want to see where it starts moving by probably middle of the day Friday. So we'll talk about this again tomorrow. But to me, it's only it's taking the points or nothing. Okay. Cincinnati, no that the road just doesn't end after last weekend. Like, you hear Joe Burrow, the dude is cocky, he's cool, and he is collected. Like, calm, cool, and collected, picture Joe Burrow right next to that phrase. The dude is an absolute stud. So give me the three and a half, three and a half, if anything, with Cincinnati. San Francisco and Green Bay. This spread's tricky. And it's not a, you know standard teaser that you want to make because you're not crossing the seven and the three but exceptions are to be made from time to time and if you get the six again with green bay this is probably one of those spots now in terms of the spread i really could hear the argument anyway because the issue is what the hell are we getting with jimmy garoppolo even if he is healthy kind of a wild card but he does well enough his shoulder apparently is going to be an issue with his already pre-injury on his finger, right? I think that's what it was. But the 49ers offense is great, right? I mean, they average the most yards per play in the NFL. They have great scheming. Their offensive coordinator is getting a lot of love these past couple of weeks. The analytics and the advanced metrics and everything they do is fantastic with Shanahan under helm. The defense up front with Bosa and company, fantastic. Warner, if he's healthy, great. The secondary is an issue, and that's why they'll inevitably lose because of the secondary and because you don't have the better quarterback, right? Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams will have a connection at some point, and that will be the difference maker. But will it be a big enough difference maker to cover five and a half, to cover six? I don't know. Because if you look at it from the side of the 49ers, their philosophy offensively, if we recall that game against the Rams where they were three and a half point dogs, Everybody was on the Rams, hand up, including myself, feel like an idiot. That's pretty much most of my life, feeling like an idiot. So it's nothing unusual. But they just grounded, pounded against the 49ers, or excuse me, against the Rams. And the Rams have a fantastic front seven. The Packers, not really fantastic front seven. They ranked 28th in DVOA run defense. 
the 49ers philosophy regardless is going to be the run the ball with Mitchell with Debo Samuel with whoever the hell they got back there guys and they're going to thrive doing so against Green Bay presumably now Zadarius Smith and uh Alexander look like they may be back for the Packers huge don't get me wrong but look at what the Browns did against the Packers Packers had a big lead Browns kept running the ball had some success what happened what went wrong Baker threw a pick at the end they probably would have won that game honestly 49ers are going to take that page out of the playbook they've already had that page it's been their page this whole season they're going to look to focus on that against Green Bay but with that in mind, that doesn't entice me necessarily to back the spread. What that entices me to do is to look at the total because of the uncertainty of Jimmy Garoppolo. The acknowledgement that the 49ers have a really good defense. Maybe not great, but good. Good enough to limit Rodgers for the most part. But he'll break through, right? It's a bend, don't break. But there are going to be a couple plays where Rodgers breaks through and scores and gets the big chunkage of yardage. But a good enough defense. And then three, if the 49ers philosophy is to run it and they can do it well against his Packers run defense that ranks 28th out of 32 teams in DVOA run defense, that is going to give at least some success to the 49ers. What does that all equal? A lower scoring game, folks. That's what I'm getting to. Total open 47 and a half. It looked like it was going to get to 48, but then the news of Jimmy G was coming about. Started trending the other way. So I actually bought it up minus 118 and played the total under 48. Now it's dropped to 47. We talked about this on Rush Hour a little bit. Hopefully you can still get involved or, you know, were able to get involved earlier. If you want to bet it up to 48, last I checked at Rivers, it was like minus 124. Most other spots, you got to buy like minus 130. And I'm never really an advocate for buying points unless it's, well, with the spread, I don't hate that idea as much. But with the total... But 48's fallen a few times for this 49ers team. And again, look, minus 110, minus 112, whatever the standard number was going to be at Bet Rivers. If I'm paying eight, six cents more, I'm okay with that. So that's why I bet the total under 48. 47's the lowest I would go. So you still might want to act sooner rather than later because the odds are shifted to the under minus 114. But even if Jimmy Garoppolo is going, guys, this is probably going to be a lower scoring affair. The threshold of win when it's impactful to a total is about 10 miles per hour plus. It's kind of right at that threshold. And it's going to be a freezing game. I get it. Freezing temperatures don't impact the total. But to a warm weather team in San Francisco, it might. All in all, especially if it's not Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance ain't going to do squat, folks. This will be a lower scoring game. Would still probably bet it under 47. But I bet it under 48 think it stays under the total that's my one official play i've got so far not really doing anything with the spread i would rather tease down green bay than take the points with san fran i'll tell you that all right moving on to sunday 2 p.m central time kick off the rams and the bucks this line has been flirting with two and a half and three back and forth consistently right now it's at three in favor of tampa bay but the juice is minus 114 to the road team so this probably will get back down to two in the hook Money line with Tampa Bay minus 148 plus 128 Rams, meaning if you bet 100 bucks, you get 128 back. With Tampa Bay, you got to bet 148 to receive 100. Totals at 48 and a half. I'd probably entertain the over, but good enough defenses to make it a back and forth game with just punt, punt, punt. So no, thank you. 
The only way I'm going to look is to wait to see this number get down to two and a half and probably take a better price on the Bucks money line. Stafford didn't need to do much against the Cardinals. The Cardinals shot themselves in the foot. The Buccaneers, typically when you have Tom Brady and the experience from championship and just veteran presence in general, are not going to be a team that's going to shoot themselves in the foot at this stage in the game. Tom Brady won't let it happen. Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, Bruce Arians will not let it happen. They're banged up. That's an issue. Don't get me wrong. Worse, if he can't go, that's going to hurt. But they'll find a way to work around it. They always do. The Rams looked amazing against the Cardinals. But remember, Cliff Kingsbury has absolutely stunk in the latter half of every single season from college till now. Kyler Murray, nervous, wasn't ready for the spotlight. First playoff game, right? A lot of those guys were not ready. No DeAndre Hopkins. And look, the point I'm getting to is that this might be one of those games to where, yes, the talent might favor the opposing team, but it is going to come down to the quarterback and the experience in the big game. And you might say, well, that's what it comes down to every game. Okay, fine, you're right. But here's the thing. Matt Stafford, let's not forget, completely fell off the last four or five games of the season. They barely had success. He didn't need to do much against the Cardinals. I think he only had 20 pass attempts. The Bucks are getting thrown on the most in the NFL, folks. They are going to make Matt Stafford throw the ball. They are going to make the Rams have success if they can based on the outcome of Matt Stafford's playing ability. Up front, the Bucks have a fantastic run defense. Cam Akers being back, wonderful for the Rams. But that's not going to have you beat Tampa Bay. You can beat the Cardinals that way. You can't beat Tampa Bay that way. Okay. Bucks are the right play here in my mind. I'm going to wait. Try to get a better price. Probably play them on the money line. Now, this is a good teaser opportunity if you wanted to pair it with the Packers or even teasing up the Bengals, folks. I mean, look, if you get it to the two and a half, even at the three, you're crossing the three and the seven with the Rams. You could do that with the Bills and the Chiefs. Road dog with Buffalo. Tease them up. Cross through three and seven. Not a bad option. Not a bad option at all. Speaking of the Bills and the Chiefs, I told you what I did last week, I believe, and that was me betting both the Bills and the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Plus 425 for Kansas City, 8-1 to uh, for Buffalo. Because I assumed this was going to be the matchup next round. Lo and behold, it is. Whoever wins this game, I still stand by it, is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So my thought process was, why not take the better value now? And whichever of those two teams wins this game and inevitably makes it, I can have a couple different options. I can write it out. I can hedge. I can do all sorts of things with it at that point. I think the Bills, it's tricky because they played earlier this year, and I think Buffalo won 38 to 20 was the score. If you're looking to back the Bills realistically, instead of taking the two, just give yourself the plus money, plus 115. And if you tell me, well, I'd rather have security than not having it, fine. I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I think Buffalo is the better team. What scares me is, can the Bills win twice at Arrowhead? The Chiefs have been playing great as of late. Their defense has looked a lot better. But you know what? The Bills defense is amazing, right? Their defense has come alive a ton. And I'll talk more about this on Rush Hour where I really get into the stats and the numbers about it tonight. So be sure to check it out. But the Bills, I would probably lean that way over the Chiefs. And I kind of want the Bills to win. 
I have better value with them for the Super Bowl. I want to see Josh Allen play longer into the postseason. We see Patrick Mahomes do his thing every single year, it seems. I mean, it's been the last three years, but you get my point. The Bills are ready now. And I still think, excuse me, this is going to fall under the trend that's occurred the last two years that I won't shut up about. Two years ago, we forgot about the Chiefs come December. And I actually, and it's easy to, for me to say this in hindsight, but like December, I'm like, maybe there's some value with Kansas City, right? Everybody loved them before the season. Then they kind of fell off a little bit. People forgot about them and you could have got them, I think maybe 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, something like that. They go on to win it. I missed out, but they won it. Bet them in the Super Bowl. They won it. Next year, same thing happened with Tampa Bay, and we covered that extensively on Rush Hour, and we took them 7-1 to to win the NFC. They were top-rated DVOA. People forgot about them. They were going into their bye week, figured they would go on a run, and let's see what they can do in the postseason. They did exactly that, and they won the Super Bowl. Heck, I didn't actually think they were maybe going to win the Super Bowl, but we bet them 7-1 to to win the NFC. The Bills are that team this year to me. Tough draw with Kansas City, for sure. But Buffalo was a highly touted team, rightfully so. They had their moments where they faltered. People started doubting them. You know, the Patriots almost won the division. After that windy game, Aaron's like, ah, Buffalo, forget about them. No, we saw what they did to the Patriots when Josh Allen could actually play like Josh Allen, and he can do that in this game. And you could get value on them before the playoffs. They were the forgotten-about team that were extremely touted as the high spot before the season. People lost hope in them. If they win this game against Kansas City, they win the Super Bowl. Mark my words. Better than Green Bay. Better defense. They have the best defense in the NFL, folks. They do. Kansas City has the better offense statistically, but Buffalo has as much firepower. They've just been streaky. We'll see if they're streaky in the postseason. They can't afford to be. And based off what we saw last week against the Patriots, I don't think they're going to be. And it's probably going to be a shootout. Total's at 53 and a half. It's actually come down a little bit. No way I'd bet an under for this game. And I'm not saying I'm running to bet the over. But this just seems like, again, a spot like we've seen the last two years. In this era of the NFL, a team gets forgotten about. It's hard to have consistent success over the course of the season. Injuries, COVID, getting banged up, tough schedule, whatever it may be. But the real players, the real teams, the real coaches come alive when it matters. And the Bills are one of those this season. I might end up betting them officially in this game or not because I'm riding out the tickets on them regardless, right? But if I do have to lean, I think it's going with the Bills in this game. I may change my mind. I tend to do that plenty of times. So, again, check out Rush Hour. I'll have the official place tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Tomorrow we'll get more Bulls coverage. We'll talk Bulls Bucks. Can they hang with Milwaukee and company? Should be interesting. Talk a little bit of Blackhawks. Maybe we get some more news throughout the Bears organization. Good news at that. But otherwise... We'll probably give you some more NFL action. I want to talk about some of the unique uh, NFL specials you can bet at Bet Rivers. I'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow here on the podcast. But if you want a sneak preview, I'll be discussing that tonight on Rush Hour. As always, check it out, vsin.com and many other outlets, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. I tweet out the link, so if it's easier for you, just follow me at DannyBurke5. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you all for tuning in. Please always appreciate if you like, subscribe, rate, whatever it is, and the feedback, whatever criticism you got. 
I'm willing to listen. And if you got any questions, feel free to shoot them at me. We'll address them on the show. Thank you to everybody. Best of luck with all your plays and take care until tomorrow. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare